Hello and welcome to the First Right Podcast, a weekly conservative news show brought to you by Restoration of America. I'm your host, Jerry Ewalt, Chief Marketing Officer for Restoration of America. And today we are blessed to meet Heather McDonald, an author, lawyer, and fellow at the Manhattan Institute, which covers crime and policy. Heather's most recent published work is titled, When Race Trumps Merit, How the Pursuit of Equity Sacrifices Excellence, Destroys Beauty, and Threatens Lives. Well, Heather, it's, uh, we're really pleased to have you on the show today, so thank you. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be with you. <laughs> Absolutely. We're, so at Restoration America, we are big fans of your work. And, you know, we consider you to be at the top when it comes to, you know, academic journalism, uh, all kinds of things, if you will, in, in terms of uh, race uh, and, and the race debate that we're having across the country. And you're absolutely fearless when you do that. Most, most topics, uh, this topic specifically, a lot of people like to stay away from, but, but you don't, and you're very bold with that. So what, what motivates you to move forward with this race discussion? Well, I guess I can't stand lies, and I, I support truth, and I'm just sick of living with these ma- massive fictions that America has been saddled with for the last several decades, such as you know, we're living through an epidemic of racially biased police shootings of black men, or the reason that blacks are overrepresented in the prison population is because we have a racist criminal justice system, or the reason that blacks are underrepresented in high, big tech companies or cancer and Alzheimer's research labs is because we are racist as scientists. And uh, those are all completely false propositions. And I, I just, refuse to abide uh, by that degree of untruth. Yeah, you you poured a lot into this latest book of yours when um, when race trumps merit. I just finished reading it myself and I was shocked at the amount of topics that you covered, but not only the amount of topics, but the detail that you've gone into with facts and figures uh, and important information that uh, leads to the some uncomfortable truths on, again, how race trumps merit. So why don't you talk a little bit about the book for us? Well, first of all, let me say, I I completely understand why people don't want to talk about these matters. And ideally, we would not. I I appreciate the need for racial etiquette. And it's very hard to look head on at the academic skills gap or the crime commission gap. And were America not being accused by the president on a you know, monthly basis of mm. engaging in massive white supremacy, uh, one could maybe turn one's eyes away. But, but with this left-wing narrative that any disparity in any institution when it comes to either the underrepresentation of blacks or the overrepresentation of blacks in the case of the criminal justice system is by definition the result of racism, it is too late to abide by that racial etiquette because what's going on in in the name of that phony narrative that disparities are by definition proof of, of, of bias, we are tearing down the meritocratic standards that create civilization and that have created Western civilization. Mm -hmm. And so what I do in the book is swallow hard and give facts that most well-meaning Americans would rather turn their eyes away from. For instance, uh, when you have 66% of black 12th graders nationally not even possessing 
basic mastery, basic partial mastery of 12th grade math skills defined as being able to do arithmetic or read a graph, 66% of black 12th graders are not even partially at a basic level with those skills. It is preposterous to say that we should expect 13% black representation in a medical school, which is 13% of the black population nationally, uh, absent racism. There simply are not enough qualified applicants in the pipeline. Uh, at, the, at the fact of the matter is, right now you can have diversity or you can have meritocracy. You cannot have both. And any institution that tells you that it is committed to diversity and that that is its modus operandi has told you sotto voce that it is discarding meritocratic standards. And I don't think that if most Americans understood what is going on in medical schools, what is going on in hospitals, what is going on in our scientific research labs in the name of diversity, jettisoning the idea of medical expertise, of scientific expertise in the criminal justice system, the reason that we have prosecutors who are not enforcing the law is because if they do so in a colorblind constitutional fashion, they will have a disparate impact on black criminals, not because the law is racist, but because there's much higher rates of criminal offending. I don't think most Americans, if they knew these facts, would be as sanguine as they are about this attack on meritocracy. So you, you just touched on probably the, the two topics that um, within this whole uh, argument around you know uh, race and, and meritocracy that affects people the most, which is which is healthcare and policing, right? So you start with healthcare and you realize if there's going to be quotas uh, for medical school, at some point you're going to get doctors that are not qualified to do what they're supposed to do, which is treat your healthcare issues, right? So that leads into a whole host of issues, whether it's cancer or broken bones or whatever it might be, but you're getting a doctor or you will be getting a doctor that is not as qualified as someone else that they excluded just because it's based on race and that will affect your health. Same thing goes for policing, right? So if we say all police officers are racist and they're treating uh, minorities in a different way, so they should stop policing or pull back or allow those minorities to do the things that they're doing or um, not be uh, as punished as severely, that's gonna increase the amount of, of issues and, and problems within cities. And we're, we're seeing that clearly right now. Right. Uh, you know, and, and conservatives will sort of pathetically bleat, well, we need to enforce the law, and why do we have these progressive prosecutors like George Gascon in Los Angeles or Alvin Bragg in New York City or Kim Fox in Chicago? Why aren't they just enforcing the law against massive shoplifting, against massive looting, against resisting arrest? Uh, against trespass, against drug possession, against mm -hmm. gun possession, just just start enforcing the law. Well, it's not going to cut it, you know. Uh, Fox News and New York Post has been trying that now for two two years or more than that in the post George Floyd era. The reason that they are not enforcing the law is very specific. It's because if they do so, they will have a disparate impact on black criminals. And so, unless conservatives are willing to say that is an inevitability, not because the law is racist, but because 
blacks commit exponentially higher rates of crime, it, it, nothing is going to change. And of course, here's the safe harbor. One can point out, and one does point out, and it doesn't seem to make a damn bit of difference, that when crime rates go up because we are not enforcing the law, the victims are overwhelmingly black themselves. Uh, but the Black Lives Matter activist, President Biden, doesn't give a damn about those black victims because they are being killed uh, by other blacks. They only care about black victims in the very rare instance where a police officer uh, shoots a black person or even more rarely where a white person shoots a black person. Yeah, in your, your book, you, you clearly outline many examples of where, the, again, if a white person is involved or is the victim, I should say, uh, that's ignored in the media. Whereas if it's a black person that's injured, especially by a white person, uh, that's going to get uh, top spot in the media. Yep. Yeah. I mean, the double standards are incredible. I mean, basically, let's face it, and this is, again, I'm in dangerous territory, but what we've got involved institutionally today is white culling. And white lives don't matter. That's just that's just the case. We know that blue lives don't matter. Uh, but to be a a heterosexual white male today yeah. is to be at the bottom of the totem pole. Any of you with the, your listeners with with sons or grandsons uh, who might be white male and not in some variant excuse me variant of of gender bizarreness. Uh, they are being passed over. They're not getting, they have to be much better to get into medical school or law school right. or to get looked at by corporate elite law firms. It's ubiquitous. It's absolutely ubiquitous. And, um, wow. you know, Do we don't, the rule is it's okay for other ethnic groups to play identity politics. Whites cannot. And I get that as well. But frankly, as my view is it's a little too late. So it's interesting you bring that up. So we saw in the news lately that the Supreme Court has overturned that affirmative action in the, uh, the admissions process for universities. Do you see that as having an impact? Is that a step? I mean, obviously it's a step in the right direction, but what do you see as the fallout after that? Are we gonna see that trickle down into employment opportunities or promotion opportunities at corporations or within the government? Do you see a change starting to happen? Well, I tend to be a pessimist by nature, and having observed universities try to evade the law in the past when voters pass constitutional amendments banning racial preferences in government, including in, in, in college admissions, I'm not particularly optimistic that it's going to make a huge difference in admissions, but uh, <laughs> especially because Chief Justice Roberts did say you can take race into account if a student brings it up in admissions essays. So you can believe that the already existing consulting business that tells minority students to promote that is going to mushroom. Um, on the other hand, the dissents were very upset about the majority opinion. So they may know something that I don't, that this is more waterproof than I think. As far as it affecting business practices, Again, you, the, I love it. I mean, the businesses are torn between their desire to have a profit motive, which means selecting the best talent, and then their desire to not fall afoul of the New York Times or the Washington Post that can predictably come up with an article on the front page that says, well, uh, Google or Wells Fargo Bank or, or 
you right. know, uh, uh, Covington and Burling does not have 13% black partners, therefore it's a racist institution. So I, I, I will enjoy the, the trauma that this causes for these elite <laughs> institutions, uh, but I think it's gonna take quite a while and a lot of litigation for it to radically change things because right now, yeah. mainstream society is simply dedicated to the proposition that America is fundamentally racist and it is not allowed to talk about the underclass inner city behavior that is actually the real cause yeah. for ongoing racial disparities. So, so let's let's expand on that more in the strategy there. I want to I want to understand get your take on on how this all works. So, when you think about you you clearly lay out the the stats and how everything is is in reality of what's happening with race over merit. But let's talk a little bit about how the left is changing language, right? And I'll I'll give you two examples. The first one um, being climate change, right? We we know that you know climates change. That's what they do. They're they're called the seasons. But I know the argument is. You know, is it man-made climate change, or is it is it is it something that we can or can't control? It's one of these things you can't really prove, but you can't disprove it either. But they blame everything on climate change. They're doing the same thing with the term systemic racism as well, right? So it's one of those things. Well, of course, racism exists. It exists forever, right? I mean, this is not not a new concept for any country uh, over the history of time. However, I think most people would agree that we've gotten, we've made a lot of progress and we're, we're making good, good progress in terms of eliminating racism or at least minimizing it. But do we have a systemic racism problem in our country? That, I mean, that's the question. How well, is the left all, changing the, the words, right? That, that's what I, they're changing words right now and they're getting people to believe in these, uh, what I would call lies. And I wanna get your take on, on how does that play out? First of all, I refuse at this point to engage in the safe harbor, which you just did in all due respect, which is to say, well, of course there's ongoing racism and mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. I will, I will do that when people say, okay, what about black anti-white racism? That is a far greater reality today mm -hmm. than anti-black white racism. And, uh, you know, blacks commit 87% of all interracial violence between whites and blacks and blacks and whites. A black person is 35 times more likely to commit uh, interracial violence against a white person than a white person is to commit an act of interracial violence against a black person. So I just think that the existence of anti-black white racism is such a trivial hmm. part of our social reality today in explaining disparate outcomes that I'm not even gonna make that okay. gesture towards the left. Um, but yes, obviously the systemic racism argument uh, is what you say when you can't find actual racism. And that's where it gave us the disparate impact concept in the first place that I write about in this book. It was a Supreme Court decision in the 1970s that was responding to the fact that at this point there was not that much intentional discrimination on the part of employers going on. And so the court said, well, even if an employer doesn't intend discriminate and is using a perfectly objective colorblind test if that test like for qualifying teachers say we just saw that in, in New York City has a disparate impact on blacks and blacks fail that elementary teacher licensing exam at a higher rate then it's a racist test even if you don't it's not been implemented to keep blacks out and so that's true with systemic racism it's the same thing uh, 
you know, it, there's not a single mainstream institution in the country today that is not tying itself into knots to hire and promote as many blacks as possible. That's true in universities, it's true in corporations, it's true in the media, uh, it's true in Hollywood, it's, it's true everywhere you look. It's true in museums, it's true in symphonies. Yeah. Uh, so it's a complete lie to say that there is some sort of intentional or systemic racism, but, but that's the phrase for it. It's like a phlogiston, mm -hmm. as you say, you can't see it. Uh, but it's just a catch-all to say, well, we don't want to look at behavioral disparities, so we're just going to posit a priori that racism must exist. Your book also, it, it touches on so many different aspects of society that this, this race versus merit is impacting right now. So t give us some, give us some uh, hope here. Uh, how does the uh, average citizen uh, that, that doesn't know what's going on, their head's spinning when they're being called a racist or whatever it is, what can they do to combat these false narratives? Well, first of all, I would say you should know the facts. It, and again, this is something that well-meaning conservative voters and certainly liberal voters turn their eyes away from. They don't want to look at it, but arm yourself with the facts about the academic skills gap, about the criminal offending gap, about the victimization gap. Uh, and so if, if your children come back from college and, and they've been brainwashed into believing that there's systemic racism and that explains our ongoing disparities, be prepared with those facts and do not uh, capitulate to what you know are phony, are, are lies. It is time at this point for people to stand up for the truth because yes. if they do not, it is all coming down. Everything that I love in the yes. arts and you know, classical music in museums, it's all coming down. I, I, I cannot stress enough, every single day, somebody in medicine, a cancer researcher, sends me the latest missive from his hospital or from the federal government saying, now we're, we're, you know, we're no longer gonna be studying cell signaling and nematodes to try and ca cure cancer. We're gonna study our own racism. Mm -hmm. It's happening on a daily basis and we have to start fighting back. Yeah, this, this is the downfall of Western society, as you say in your book. One, one of the things I'll throw in there, Heather, this came again from your book, but um, the other thing that we can do is I, I like to say there's safety in numbers, right? You actually referenced the Great Barrington Declaration, right, where all these science, thousands of scientists got together and they said, we don't like the way that COVID-19 is being handled. It's the wrong way. It will destroy the economy. It will destroy society. And they all signed their names to that. I think you pointed out that not one of those people got canceled, right? They were all safe, if you will, or they didn't get canceled in society. There was some safety in numbers by coming forward and saying we're against what is happening right now. Well, actually, no. I mean, the signers, some of them did get canceled. Mm. Uh, and so what I have proposed in the book is that, and, and these are good things. I mean, I, I love the Great Barrington Declaration. It was an absolute beacon of truth and sanity and common sense and and decent public health protocols. Nevertheless, uh, frankly, it didn't have much impact. And so what I've called for is a some sort of organization that would be very nimble. And when you get these heroic doctors who say, mm -hmm. no, we should not be tearing down our medical licensing standards in order to avoid disparate impact we should be continuing a colorblind meritocratic standard. 
And when they come under attack from their colleagues at medical schools, as happened to Dr. Norman Wang, a cardiologist at the University of Pittsburgh, when they're canceled, this organization would be there with the facts at its fingertips to say, this victim of cancel culture is right. He is mm -hmm. right that it's not racism that explains these disparities. It is the facts of academic under-preparation and criminal over-offending that gives us the disparities and just gets out there in the public sphere and ideally forces the media to make some minimal acknowledgement of what the true reality in America today is. Yeah, so stand up for truth and, and more people will follow. I hope so, that's yeah. right. I think, I think people need to see that you can be accused of being a racist falsely and still survive, that it is not the worst thing in life. Uh, when, when those, I mean, it, it's, I'm not gonna defend racism, but it is amazing. It is the most poisonous accusation you can lodge against yeah. somebody now. And that is worth observing. You know, maybe that's right, but is it worse than treason? Is it worse than violent crime? But there's nothing that will take anybody down more than being phonally charged of racism. It's a very strange thing. Well, I'm sure you've been called racist many times, so uh, we, are, we are grateful for your courage and your work, right? So thank you for standing out there and being a beacon of hope and strength uh, for our country. Thank you. It's great to be with you. Thank you so much for having me on Restoration America. I appreciate it. All right. Well, that's our show for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and supporting conservative media. Don't ever forget, by working together and staying diligent, we conservatives can bring our country back to true greatness. Until next week, let's all keep praying that God will continue to bless America. First Right, a new kind of news summary without the liberal slant. Every morning, in your inbox, always free. Subscribe by texting FIRST RIGHT to 30161. That's FIRST RIGHT, all caps, one word, to 30161.